Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Heal Squad, as we go into the holiday season, there is no better time than to talk about, learn about, and implement your boundaries. We have the author of Boundary Boss herself, Terry Cole, on the show today, and she teaches us all about boundaries. This is so good. Yes, going into the holiday season, but also for your life. Boundaries are key to your evolution. So I took away so much from this episode. It was originally a two-part episode. And for this Throwback Thursday, we put it all into one. So take those notes and please share it with a friend. Share it with someone who you really think could benefit. Thank you, Heal Squad. Ooh, also, don't forget, if you're on Apple Podcasts or you're on Spotify, leave us a five-star rating and review. It keeps us going. It really means the world to us. We love you all so much. Set those boundaries, enjoy the holidays, and have a good one. Bye. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we're doing here every single day. Friends, we are going to jump right into part two of our interview with Terry Cole. She wrote the incredible book, Boundary Boss. And we really had an amazing conversation with her, and we kept her extra so that we could just squeeze out as much juice from that lemon as we could, or whatever you want to call it. I liked that. Um, yeah. So I had a Meyer lemon for the first time, by the way. Have you ever had a Meyer lemon, Kelsey Meyer? I don't, I've, I've seen like Meyer lemon scents and stuff. I don't know if uh, I've had a specific Meyer lemon it's though. It's pretty bomb. I have a half in the fridge. I will share. It's kind oh, of a citrus, you. like a, no, all of it's citrus, but like kind of orangey. It's incredible. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> yep. So friends, we're going to go right into our interview. We're talking about Standing up for your truth. We're talking about proactive boundaries, how to set them with your family. No one share this with my family, please. And because uh, as I said to the girls, <laughs> I'm kind of the sacrificial lamb. I have to use myself and my examples to try to give, you know, everyone something to apply for their lives. And of course, I always want the help too, because I'm on the journey right there with you guys. Uh, before we get to the interview, mariamenunos.com, you know, we've worked really hard on that website and we're updating our shop page and we're making little updates here and there. In the meantime, let's talk boundaries. Talking about friends who will sit there and talk about their toxic relationship and never ask you about you. Um, what do you say in those situations where you find yourself, okay, now I'm aware 
I'm with people who maybe I haven't seen in a long time and it's, they've not asked me anything about my own life. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a whole script in the book about this. I would say, Hey, Betty, whoever the person is, um, you know, I've been really working on, you know, usually I'm the listener a lot, like, like I'm very comfortable listening and I love you and I love to hear what's going on with you, but I'm actually working to assert myself. So if it's okay with you, I want to share my news first. And then can we talk about your stuff after? Kelsey, how does that ring to you? I like that. I actually just wrote something on my hand because I was reminding myself <laughs> that I set a good boundary last week and I wanted to remind myself of it. What was your boundary last week? Because I kind of did that. I have people and, you know, it, it comes with the territory, but people have my cell phone number. Mm -hmm. And mm. instead of emailing, they will call me 25,000 times and text oh, me. No. Oh, no, Terry. It makes me want to lose my mind. I do lose my mind. So I actually messaged someone back last week and I was just, I just kind of set a nice clean boundary and it was very much like that. It was like, hey, you know, I'm working on setting new boundaries. I'm really trying. Yeah, I did. And Good she, queen. Yeah. And she was really um, receptive of it. And I was like, ah, look at me. Yeah. So anyways, I wrote that on my hand to remind myself. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, but how amazing uh, that you can do that, right? And it, and I didn't die, and all was it was fine. It was fine because I think that's what we think, Terry. We all think that like the world's gonna end when we set a boundary, mm -hmm. you know. And I was fine, so you will be too. There you go. <laughs> I always tell them I go in there and I'm into the office. I'm like, no, you don't make, don't let people give you their work yeah. because I've watched that in my office for years, where you know people will pile their work on to my team, and I'm like, no, no, no. That's their work. Yep, <laughs> and every yep. time Kelsey would try to adopt it, I go, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm good at like doing it for everybody else. Yeah. Um, it's been, you know, a process learning it myself, but we've been really talking about boundaries a lot and I'm very much in anticipation of this conversation. By the <laughs> way, if you guys are watching this on YouTube right now, leave us comments below. Tell us what boundaries you're going to start setting yes. because I imagine a lot of you who are watching this have problems with boundaries just like us. So let us know the boundaries you're going to start to set. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, um, you can message us on our Instagram at Better Together with Maria because we'll be popping up um, posts on this for sure. And I'd love to hear from you guys because this is a very helpful conversation. Um, I wonder with those friends um, if they breach the boundary. So mm -hmm. this conversation, let's say you assert yourself, you give your news and then thereafter they just, now they, they find a more clever way to start with their stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, you haven't sat down at dinner. It's as you're walking, they start telling you everything and now they know right. they've got you. Mm -hmm. But they don't have to have you because here's the thing. We're assuming that the one who starts first is the one who does all the things it's on you to make it more equitable while you're talking. It's on you to say, that reminds me of something I wanted to tell you about whatever. Like it doesn't have to be you do a monologue and I do a monologue, right? <laughs> it can actually be more equitable. And I think that we also, we have to look for ourselves. Like how often do our listening skills, I see this in my therapy practice a lot, like, you know, I, I always talk about being a good listener, an athletic listener, active listener. But I always say, and I'm not talking to you people, the ones who hide behind being a good interviewer. 
So it's like you don't want to have to talk about yourself, or at least back in the day, Mm -hmm. where it was more about getting the other person because it's a way of feeling in control of what's happening and Mm -hmm. not being vulnerable. And there's all of these like secondary gain, um, which is like a concept of like, what is the secondary gain of staying in a behavior that outwardly you say you don't want? that behavior. So we look at the secondary gain and go, ah, but there's got to be something in it for me. If I continue doing it, what's in it for me? And the questions that people can ask is what do I get to not face, not feel, Mm. or not experience by staying stuck here? So even though, let's say with the person who dominates the conversation, you are frustrated, you say, I want equal time, it doesn't feel fair. But, and I'm not saying you personally, Maria, but in general, we would ask the question, what do I get to not face, not feel, not experience by still talking to this person who dominates the crap out of everything? Well, I get to not be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I get to sort of stay in a victim position to a degree. I get to be angry as opposed to um, be intimate because to actually be intimate, we have to both be sharing. And a lot of times we have trained the people in our lives. I mean, all the time we've trained the people in our lives to treat us a particular way. When you're gaining boundaries, you're going to be doing now a new relationship dance. And when you change your steps, trust me, people are going to notice that you're suddenly like, I know I used to be willing to do that, but I'm not anymore or whatever the thing is, or you can have the conversation exactly as Kel said, you know, it's like, um, I'm working on my boundaries. You can say that you can enroll some, especially people that you love. I mean, there's sort of one, one set of boundaries for the outside world, right? Someone asks an intrusive question. Um, you can say, why would you ask me that? Right. There's all of these like verbal self-defense skills that you can Mm -hmm. gain instead of giving someone information about you that you then later regret. We can say, well, why would you want to know that? And just that, just not answering any questions you do not want to answer is having an amazing boundary. Most of the time, if someone asks me something that I'm like, you've got to be kidding me that you just asked me that. And I say, why would you want to know that? Because most of the time it's just morbid curiosity. Like, how did your niece die? How, did, Like, whatever. I'm like, oh my God. The person will back up and be like, wow, I'm sorry. You know, or, or yeah. they check I don't know, I was just fast. making conversation. Say it again. They get checked fast and then they have Indeed. no response. Yeah. And we don't have to be super pissed about it. We just don't answer the question. Mm-hmm. So back to your friend who's always talking about herself. We have people who are boundary first timers. And those are the ones we've never actually said in words what we need, what we want, what our limits are. And then you have the repeat offenders. And so we deal with them both kind of differently, right? You would have different scripts to deal with someone if it's the first time, even if you wish they had a magic ball, eight ball and they could read your mind. But we're all aware that they can't. Mm-hmm. So you'd have one process to set that boundary. Like I call it a proactive boundary success plan. Uh, Then you have the repeat offenders or you have the boundary destroyers. And they're, they're really hard 
because the regular rules of engagement for regular people don't apply to those people because they think that they are above the rules. So that's narcissistic personality disorder, could be any of the cluster B personality disorders. If you look in the DSM four, five, mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah, it's five now. Um, so it could be mental unwellness. That is part of what that is. But in the book, I have a whole chapter on boundary destroyers where I'm just giving you all of the um, emotional manipulation tactics that are used to eradicate any boundary attempt on your part, because knowledge really is power, you know? So let's move into the family zones, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Because I feel like they're the biggest culprits of boundary destroyers. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you lay and protect boundaries in family? Well, you know the players, right? So part of it is we have to think about if we think about healthy boundaries and boundary setting in our relationships like dances, because they are, your family of origin are the people you've been dancing with, those people the longest. So it will take the most effort, the most bandwidth to change the dances. And listen, some of them, you really, we have to get in our mind, like, what is this person's capacity to change? Mm -hmm. Perhaps I'll find a different way of creating a boundary rather than really needing to be understood. Like, dad, I want you to know, (laughs) maybe not dad, maybe. No, dad, yeah. Dad, please keep these not okay people away from me. Yes. You can love them and you can hang out with them outside of my house. Yep. Stop serving me up, dad, please. Yeah. But again, that that is your right. So we do it slowly. We do it with love. And when you're doing it with family or with people who you want to understand you, this is where you might provide more context because we want to be better understood. But context and convincing like are so slippery and they're right next to each other. So we want to make sure that we're not trying to convince them that we have a right to the boundary because you definitely have a right to whatever boundary you want. You have that right. So you don't want to be like, well, this is why justify, build a huge ass case. You don't need to do that and don't because it makes people want to disapprove. The moment we start to build a case, they're like, oh, she thinks she's doing something wrong. I'm going to jump on that. Mm -hmm. When you go, hey, I'm exhausted, dad. I can't, you know, I've got this thing tomorrow. So actually, um, we're not going to do this thing at the house tonight, at my house, but I'm happy to send the food we were going to do to your house if you want to have it, whatever, whatever the thing is. I mean, listen, if culture has a lot to do with how is your heart, because usually, generally speaking, let's say in Greek families, for example, mm-hmm. this is a super enmeshed family system. And this could be true about Italians, Puerto Ricans, and lots and lots and lots of cultures feel like everyone knows what everyone else is doing, feels like unasked for advice and criticism just pours out of anybody's mouth. They just want to tell you all the things and what you should be doing and why'd you do it that way? And those are all things where if, and you say to someone, you know, I feel this way and they go, 
that's stupid. Why do you feel that way? You have no yeah. reason to feel that way. Hey, hey, hey. I wasn't asking your opinion about my feelings. I was simply telling you how I actually already feel. Oh, I love so. that too. I wasn't asking your opinion about my feelings. No. One. Yeah. I think that um, definitely, you know, in these immigrant families, we definitely have a, a, a harder challenge because uh, we're raised to please our parents. And if our parents are displeased with us, it creates such a, you know, not good feeling. Yep. And a feeling like I must do something mm-hmm. to rectify this. I must fix this. And you wonder why we are these high functioning codependents who are fixing all the things or so we think, but it is at the detriment of the quality of our own lives, mm-hmm. our internal experiences. And so part of it is you're not that fragile. None of us, like it's a child's fear that if I say something that my father or my mother or someone doesn't like, like the world will end as she had said before, right? Like it doesn't stop spinning on its axis. Nobody spontaneously bursts into flame, but the child within us is like, Oh my God, I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be in trouble. So part of this process of creating healthier boundaries is allowing yourself to be uncomfortable and knowing that you're not that fragile. You draw a boundary. I have something that I call the 48 hour rule where I ask you to not take it back. Just self-soothe for 48 hours. I don't care what you got to do. Don't take it back. And after 48 hours, you're not going to want to. Mm-hmm. Because it sinks in. Because here's the thing we haven't focused on, Maria, and it's so important, is the feeling you've both described how um, life-affirming, how positive, how good it feels to tell the truth, to set a limit with someone, to allow someone to know how you actually feel. But imagine doing it all the time. Imagine it being second nature because it can be second nature where everyone around you wants you to tell the truth, right? Expects you to tell the truth. The the people, because here's the thing, when you're a giver, you're the one who has to put the limits because takers won't, right? And it's not their responsibility. Yeah, we call it the bowl of M&Ms. We're like just the bowl of (laughs) (laughs) M&Ms. Kevin's the ATM machine. I'm the bowl of, eight, of M&Ms. <laughs> yeah. Just can't stop grabbing. Mm-hmm. But it's our job to not be in that arm's reach. If someone's like, if Kevin's the ATM and someone says I want to borrow money, you can say, hey, I've got a no lending policy. It's kind of new. It's not personal to you, but I just feel like it protects my relationship. So as much as I'd like to help you, I'll have to say no. Wow. You just have a no lending policy to all the people. So you know why it's bad to lend money to family. I'm just saying. Yeah. But with family, I feel like, you know, I'll give myself the example again. No matter how many times I lay the boundary, it's still a surprise (laughs) on my end when it's breached and on their end when I'm having to re-reinforce the boundary. So what do you do then? You're not going to cut your dad out when it's like he keeps bringing somebody that he doesn't even want to be around, around me or expecting me to, I'm like, oh my God, this is insanity. 
Well, part of it is you must live close. <laughs> well, when, yeah, well, I, yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> because that, that's part of the problem. <laughs> so I bought my parents, I, we bought a house years and years ago and my parents lived in and took care of it, but they would bounce back and forth to our house here. Um, and now that we're spending more time back there, we've been making it more of our house. And I just, there's certain people I don't want to be waking up and walking downstairs to. There's mm -hmm. certain people I don't want to be commingling with. And mm -hmm. I think I'm well within my right. I pay all the bills and yep. I have for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, and there are just certain things I just don't want. And I allowed them in very crucial moments, like my mom's death. Sure. And, you know, her five months of dying, I allowed it. Mm -hmm. But I, my mental health and my overall health is worth more to me than continuing to try to please my dad and his need for everyone to think everything's okay. Yep. Right. So now we're talking about consequences, Maria. We're mm. talking about the only way something changes with a repeat offender, whether it's your dad or someone else, is that there has to be a consequence, whether that means you change the locks. That sounds extreme. Okay, maybe not that, but <laughs> in a Greek family, but that that is a possibility. Um, saying, hey, dad, I am locking the door and I'm putting the bolt on because I've asked you many times, I don't want to have Uncle Sammy here or whatever, whoever the hell it is, you know, and, and then following through with that, not coming down. Right. If, they, if they're there, finding a way not to. But even that, like you shouldn't be trapped I've like a prisoner in your own house. Oh, my God. We had the alarm. Kelsey knew anytime we would see this person come in the driveway, it was. What, no, wait, what do we do? Boop, oh, boop, that's it. That's it. Boop, <laughs> boop. And everyone would scurry to where they were going to hide. And we'd have to get water so that we because we knew it was going to be a long time because this person has no friends. And so we knew they were going to be yeah. there forever. And we would all have to hide. Mm -hmm. There's no way to live in your own friggin house. No, but part of it is there's got to be the rule. <laughs> Don't just stop by. Don't just stop by. Don't just stop by. Oh, no, there this is a be. boundaryless person. Yep. So then don't open the door. But it's like my dad's is, son. Say it again. It's my dad's son. How is he not going to open the door to him? And your dad's at the house, though, when this happens. Mm-hmm. I see. But do you have to enter? Like, that's complicated because you don't have your own living space, like for real, for real, where you can be like, this is my sacred space. And you need that. So I don't know what the remedy is. Get a different house, move somewhere else, make your bedroom, your, your Zen den, and then don't come down when that person's no, there. No, I can't. I can't. I can't be even within the same city. I can't even mm -hmm. be. I, I mean, it is that bad. It is that bad. This right. person conquers my nightmares. It's, it's a very bad situation. It but it's bad for happen. your health, as you said. It's yeah. bad for your mental wellness. Yeah, and he'll, he'll, he will um, abide by it now. Or he was because I think he saw me do so much for him and my mom mm -hmm. that he started to like respect the boundary. But then it'll be, he's going to come over tonight for dinner. Okay. And I'm like, no, not okay. I said no before and I, I can't. Come on, Maria, please. You know, no, 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 dad, please. No. Mm -hmm. And then he gets upset. And then I feel horrible because my dad is now sad. The person I want to make sure is always happy and I want him to have a great life. Now I've hurt him. He's already hurting. Right. But that, again, that's the, the illusion 
that it's all on you. Mm -hmm. He is not considerate of how this is messing with your mental wellness. He wants what he wants. He wants the illusion that everything is fine and that everyone's, it's all good and no problem, but it's an illusion. And you've already, you've already done everything in your power in life. You have dedicated, like you've given enough, Maria. I'm not saying do anything bad with your relationship with your dad, but it's like this illusion that you're responsible for his happiness is an illusion. Mm. This is his choice. He can't give up on this dream of reconciliation or whatever the dream is, even though it's at the expense of your mental health. And you have to stand up for yourself. Imagine if you were a kid, right? What, what advice would you have again for your best friend or for a child that you loved? You'd be like, you do not need to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, but I feel so guilty. You would say, but you haven't yeah, done like, anything. Bitch, you have a brain tumor and it will grow if you keep getting stressed. Yes. I love and, this notion of talking to your best friend. I've done that before too mm-hmm. in advising other people. Never for myself though. <laughs> I'd be like, well, if you were, if you were telling your friend, what would you say? <laughs> it's so true, but you can do it. Here's the thing. It's allowing yourself that 48 hours of self-soothing, knowing that there's a 48-hour rule and you are not taking it back. Because every time you say no and then take it back and allow it because you feel guilty, Mm -hmm. you're reinforcing that behavior. You are literally saying, all right, we're going to do this dance. I'm going to say no. You're going to say please. And I'm going to say, okay. Like, that's what's happening, dad. You're obviously aware of it. So we could just skip that and you could do whatever you want because clearly what I want doesn't matter. Or you can say, dad, I'm not trying to impede your relationship with him. Go out to dinner. Go somewhere else. Have him at your house. Dad, I've done enough. You know how it is. I cannot be stressed with my health. And this stresses me. That's it. Like tell the truth because part of it is that's hard to do, but it is the truth about how you feel Mm. and knowing that you don't have to throw yourself under a bus to love others, not even your parents. Right. Good one. Yeah. Queen, do you have any scenarios you'd like to bring up that I'm maybe forgetting or missing? Hmm. Oh, man. I don't know. I feel like, honestly, (laughs) I think I'm kind of getting borrowing the benefits from Maria. I feel like I've been pretty proud of myself with my boundaries lately. Like with I my sister's my bestie, but I mean, she's someone who called and dumps on me constantly. And I had this conversation with her the other week. Actually, I was like, my girl, I love you, but I can't do this. And I would actually love if you asked me about my stuff. Did you really? Yes. Queen yes. borrowing the benefits. Yes. I love it. Yes. And it was funny. My mom actually yesterday, she was like, I've seen a lot of growth in you. And I was like, thank you, mother. But no, I <laughs> yeah. think honestly, I have been borrowing the benefits <laughs> from you, Maria. From my very expensive therapy yes. sessions. Every time I'm done, done with the therapy session, I get so excited. I come down, I'm like, guys, you've got to hear this. This is amazing. You've got to learn how to do this. Yes. <laughs> and it's, I've been applying it. And for me, it's, I don't know, easier with my family, I think, even though sometimes it's harder, it's easier because I'm like, they have to love me. It's, it's literally the law. So <laughs> I can't really mess up. Hilarious. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Pooch, do you have any? Um, I'm trying to think. Well, if you have to think. Then props not. Then there's probably no. nothing there. Your guys' family is good. I could but. talk for maybe 50 <laughs> hours about boundary breaches, but yeah. I'm also 20 years older. You can think. Yeah. If you come up with one, let me know. But right. I think the biggest thing that I've 
um, that I keep hearing from people and even, you know, we can go to some of our heel squad questions too, is, um, is setting them and protecting them. And the, the part of it that's hard. And we talked a little bit about this is we fear the consequences. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so what I've been learning is to practice in scenarios that there aren't maybe going to be big consequences. Absolutely. Low priority folks. That's what I always say. Start with low priority people because it's less threatening. Mm -hmm. So when you're out to lunch, if your crap comes wrong and you would normally just be like, whatever, it's fine. I'll eat it. Send it back. You could be nice, but just, just do it. Like that's a boundary to say, Oh, Hey, I wanted the dressing on the side. Right. Yeah. Most of us would be like, oh, forget it. It's fine. That's but, the one that I do fear the consequences for, though. I never send anything back anymore. Really? I could have an eyelash and I'm eating the eyelash. Yep. Because I know what goes on in restaurants and it is ugly. And I've Stop. seen it with my own eyes. But I feel like, like Tara said, you could be kind about it and they're yeah. not going to like spit in your food. Depends where you are. True. Wow, dude, I can't live in a world where I think that everyone is so bad that they're spitting in my food. I can't. I would rather be in denial of that. I'll just assume I made out with the chef. That's fine. Oh my God, I love that. I like that too. I think that sometimes too. I'm like, okay, maybe we made out. I could just think that we made out or something. I don't be fine. That is so funny. Um, But I'm not blowing them. Anyway. (laughs) No, thanks. I'm good. And that's what I'm afraid of, people. Sorry I had to go there. Oh my God. Um, So practicing on people is is um, a cool thing that I've been learning and also reinforcing the win when there wasn't a negative consequence so that you have the courage to keep doing this. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. First of all, there's the we're only afraid of the negative consequences, but you would be shocked when you start doing this, how many people are grateful that you have told them how you feel, how many people are like, oh my God, I did not realize that I was doing that. And I so appreciate that you love me enough to have the hard conversation Mm. because you know what? Not having the hard conversation, that is not good for you or your relationship. And it's taken the easy way out. I'm just going to put that in the resentment inventory, just under why Bob is such an asshole. There we go. Okay. Moving on. Like these, these resentments, they fester, we ruminate about them bad for everybody. So having a hard conversation, is not just for you. It's actually for your relationships. So how do you judge which relationship you should do that with? Because I definitely, if like I'll judge um, and say, yeah, no, I'm just not going to be around that person anymore. And, and I know that some, in some cases it's because I don't think, well, I know that some of these certain people are just impossible to even engage with as in a normal conversation. Forget yep. when you're going to have to tell them something that might be negative in their mind about them. That's just all out war. And, you know, so then I'll just be like, okay, well, I'll see you once a year. But that, that's, that's, I'll, right, I'll do though. my time. Like I'm in prison. <laughs> right. Once a year, the Christmas, that's why everyone drinks so much. Yeah. But here's the thing. That's your right. If you're saying, hey, I've tried with this person. I've had so many experiences that tell me they're not capable. Like how many times do we need to smash our face into a brick wall? Like Mm -hmm. you can just stop doing that. And it is your right to decide who's in your VIP section. 
So just because it could be family, just because they're not in your VIP section doesn't mean you have to excommunicate and never talk to them again. You can as well, but it means who, what is your VIP section? It's who are you going to give access to your internal life, your most tender heart? And not everyone deserves that access, right? Because they're not going to um, handle it gently or with kindness, or there's not that mutuality. So I think that deciding if people are really, their behavior is toxic and you have many experiences that tell you that, I think it's okay to just remove yourself. Like I'm all about that because it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I think that what people fear is that if they set a boundary, someone's going to like end their relationship. If they make a simple request, the friend, the person's going to just reject them straight out. No more. We're not talking anymore. But we have to be realistic and say, listen, if a friendship is so fragile that you making a simple boundary request makes the person be like, bye, that's not a good relationship. That means you have to walk on eggshells forever and ever and all the time. And who fuck has the time yeah. to do that or the bandwidth? It's exhausting. So I think two things that would be really helpful for anybody watching or listening. One, you want to know where you need boundaries. You're like, I don't even know where to start. You do. Do a resentment inventory. That, that's where you start. Because usually where you feel resentment means a boundary is needed or a boundary has been crossed. So you're going to make a list of people mm-hmm. and then go, why am I resentful? Okay. Oh yeah. This is where they cross that boundary. And I never said anything. Okay. So you get that. So you're doing a resentment inventory to understand where do you need boundaries? And then you can slowly but surely make decisions about who you want to draw the boundaries with, who you want to have a conversation with. But I want to encourage anybody listening to realize that you can be more assertive in a positive way too. Like we've been trained that to be the cool girl, so to speak, right? That the more chill, the better. Like, you know me, I'm easy breezy, no fuss, no muss, whatever Mm -hmm. you guys want. That, hey, it's all good. Why I hate that? Um, Because you're like, why is it? It's not all good. And why even say that sweeping statement, which is basically saying, no need to consider me, right? Don't consider me. Just whatever you guys want is great. And it's very rare that that is really how the person feels. It's an ingrained behavior to avoid rejection, conflict, or whatever the thing is. So know that by telling your partner, your sister, your friend, your preferences, you're letting them know you. It doesn't mean they're always going to do what you want. They don't need to. Mm -hmm. But it's still information. Because you drawing boundaries is not about changing the other person. It's about you having the courage to negotiate for yourself, to stand up for yourself, to not allow yourself to feel or be victimized by other people, even if the other person, like you can't be responsible for how they receive the boundary, right? That's their side of the street. Your side of the street is saying, hey, I wanted to let you know this because I'm feeling like I'm copying resentment towards you and I don't want to because I love you. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to make a simple request that whatever the simple request is, right? Mm-hmm. We can really have those conversations. And in Boundary Boss, I've given you th- literally probably 
a thousand <laughs> scripts and sentence starters because so much of the time we're just like, I just don't have the words. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Oh my God. You should see me with my therapist. I'm writing everything down in my notebook and then I'm going back and then I'm crafting things from there. So having those scripts is really helpful. Um, I think I'm going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to ask, ask some of these heel squad questions. When you're on the go 24 seven, like me guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me from working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials. It's been my go-to for so many years and having everything in one place is such a time saver for me with being a first time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. We're back. And I want to go to some of the questions that we have from our heel squad. So one of our uh, listeners says, I set a boundary last month with a friend of 10 years and she walked away from our friendship. Mm -hmm. I'm so deeply hurt and trying to process all the emotions. Can you help? I can. Um, We were just talking about this, that if the person in your life is so attached to their role 
as whatever it was. I don't know what your conflict was about, but clearly they were not used to you asserting yourself. And if you asserting yourself was so offensive to their fragile ego that they ended your friendship, that really speaks to something. And so it's painful and you need to mourn the loss of what you hoped that friendship could be and then let it go. Because that person is telling you, wow, I am deeply limited. I will not accept you if you do not continue to prescribe to the way that I see you. It's really hard. (laughs) It is hard. 10 years. I mean... Well, That's I think really hard to is. like sit with. I know. I remember seeing this question and just not really knowing what to say. Well, you could write something to the person too. I say, I always say, write a letter, mm-hmm. right? This is how That's we That's what move. I did in my situation because it was eating me up inside. Yep. Um, and, you know. And you can choose to send it or not, right? I always say to my clients, write an unedited as hurt and pissed and all the things that you want to say, curse, do everything in the first letter. And then if you see how you feel, and then if you choose to send something to the person, if you want to be seen, because someone ghosting after 10 years, it's also such a power trip. Like I'm cutting you off. That, that is so, first of all, very emotionally immature, even though it's very painful, but to have no conversation about it at all. Um, and you can write a letter to them if you want to saying, hey, this is really painful. I thought we, our union was more solid than that, you know, or whatever, whatever it is you want to say, or I'll miss you, or I'm upset that you don't think enough of me to have a hard conversation rather than that you just, di- you know, reject or ditch me or whatever the thing is. Mm, yeah, I like the letter because I know, and I'll tell you whoever this was, I forget who this was from, but um, writing that letter to my friend who um, rejected me, let's say, and whatever, it makes me feel better because I tried everything mm-hmm. to repair and um, and and just, you know, explain the circumstances in case I don't like to assume sometimes that they know everything. Mm-hmm. I explain the circumstances. I also explained how I am aware of how great of a friend this person has been to us in, the, in you know, in life and, uh, and that I would hope, you know, we could move forward from it. Now I know mm-hmm. I tried everything. Right. And but you also want to be seen though, Maria, it's not just about sort of checking the boxes to a degree. Like I, I, I do, I'm the same. I want no stone left unturned if I am seeking to resolve something, but it's also important to be seen. It's not just about like how you feel also matters. Mm -hmm. And so it isn't just about fixing that because if you did just fix it with no conversation about how their behavior impacted you, you'd be resentful as shit. Yeah. Like there's no way not to be because it's not cool. It's almost like the people pleasing to an extreme where it's like, but I just need to fix it. But you also need to be seen. Yeah. Because how you feel matters too, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. I think, um, yeah. And then I guess in that letter, you got to make sure you're explaining your side and yes. and making sure that you're seen. And it goes back to, I mean, I love that thing you said earlier about 
when you're not setting your boundaries, that is going to lead to you not being seen because no one's going to ever fully know you. And I think that's super powerful. I've never heard anybody say it in all of these years. And I think that's something I'm going to take away and really look at. And, you know, sometimes we're all so desperate to be seen (laughs) and yet we're not giving anybody any reason to see us. Right. Because we're more desperate to avoid conflict or to avoid being rejected or to avoid a hard conversation Mm -hmm. unconsciously. So hopefully what this episode will do for many people is bring that information from their unconscious mind, the basement right here, up to the main part of the house and a lot to think about. And I walk you through all of this step-by-step in the book. You know how some books like you could just open up and be like, I'm going to be motivated today. That's not that kind of book. This book, you start at the beginning and you go to the end Mm -hmm. because everything builds on what I just taught you before that. And it's all about you because there's no one size fits all when it comes to boundaries. It's about your family, your culture, your downloaded boundary blueprint, what you learned in childhood, all of those things. And we're all so different. It's highly personal. You can do it. It is highly personal. Exactly. It is highly personal. Because it's your needs and desires. Um, Okay. So another question from the Heal Squad. How will we know we are speaking our truth and we aren't scared anymore? Great question. How are you left feeling? It's always your feelings that will be like your body wisdom is just off the charts. So if you are um, negotiating for yourself, if you are telling the truth about your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers, you'll feel a certain amount of satisfaction rather than a certain amount of resentment. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very important though, that we look at boundary requests as um, the important thing is that you're seen with the request. It's really not about like if the other person doesn't acquiesce to what you want, you didn't fail. You are still a total boundary baller because you have the conversation. This is how we get to actually know people. It can't be so polite that we never have conflict, right? There is conflict. And the person might be like, hey, I can't do that. Okay, well, maybe we can compromise. Maybe we can do something else. So you will know that you are speaking truthfully for yourself when you feel a certain amount of peace Mm. in your relationships and in yourself and in your life. Yeah, it's like a meal. Are you raving about the meal after? Do you feel great? Or is it like, eh, oh, right. not that great. Exactly. I paid $40 you know for feel. that and it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, I like that. Um, we want to talk about the, um, the three R's as well. Recognize, release, respond, and treating ourselves with compassion. Okay. So part of what's happening is you're going through this process of learning boundaries. It's you have to recognize when you're in the moment and you can, you'll do this after you start laying down boundaries, after you start being more tuned into what your preferences, desires, limits, and deal breakers are that like, how can we draw boundaries if we don't know those things? Cause those things are your boundaries and they're the things that make up yourself. So you have to recognize that something 
is happening? Like what is happening? What is not working for you? That's where the resentment inventory can come in. And then you have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone, right? We are releasing. We are releasing the physical feeling because when someone steps over a boundary, trust me, your body immediately is like, I feel something. Maybe I'm constricted, might have a pain. I might get hot where like my face flushes because I'm like, what the hell did she just say? What is going on right now? Even if you don't say anything, but we're releasing letting go sort of of that familiar limit, that behavioral pattern of where we would then maybe silence ourselves. We would not talk to them anymore. We would put them in the, you're no longer my friend pile. Mm -hmm. That is releasing. We're releasing all the limiting behaviors and then you're responding and you can choose to speak and act from a more mindful and conscious place. Even if we just say, Hey, you know what? I want to think about this. I'm not sure how I feel. I'm going to get back to you. Like, or I'm feeling something right now. I'm not positive what it is, but I'll let you know. Like, we don't have to know everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. That's the hard thing when you get caught off guard. You know, it's like you feel like Tyson just punched you in the ring. You don't, you don't know what's going on yet. So you exactly. can't respond. And then later you're resentful that you didn't respond. But I like that. I'm feeling something, but I just don't know what it is yet. Right. And I'll let you know. Or when people are like, well, I need an answer now. Right. You know, people like that, oh, pressure, yes, yes. their lack of planning, their bullshit emergency now needs to be mm-hmm. like your problem. If someone says to me, well, I need an answer now. I always say, oh, if you need it now, then it'll have to be no, because I never make immediate decisions like that. I always take at least 24 hours. I like that. Yeah. I've been bullied into things with that. Yeah, there's a lot of policies that make it so much easier to say it, right? I have a no lending money policy. It's not personal to you, just nobody, because I've had bad experiences and it really has ruined relationships in my life. And I love you too much. I don't want it to be ruined. Very, very good. Okay, last one for today. And hopefully you'll be back with us more and more because I think this is something we're going to keep reinforcing. (laughs) Um, How do we create a new normal with setting boundaries without feeling that guilt or that shame and without abandoning ourselves, which by the way, by laying the boundary, you are not abandoning yourself. So yes, that that's, how do we not do it with guilt and shame? Part of it is we have to question the guilt. We really have to look at it and go, okay, is, did I actually, right? Because what's the difference between guilt and shame? Guilt says, I think I did something wrong. Shame says, I think I am something wrong, Mm. right? Like I think I am like monumentally and fundamentally broken in some way. And I want to hide that. I feel ashamed of that. So I think that we have to look at our training and go, I'm willing to stay present and question, should I really feel guilty? Is this just a knee-jerk reaction, right? I'm reacting. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to take a deep breath. And I'm going to think about it. Do I have anything to actually feel bad about? Do I think I did something wrong? Or am I just upset that someone is displeased with me? Because they're not the same thing. And if it's that you're upset that someone is displeased, then you're going to put the 48-hour rule into effect. And you're not going to do squat until that's over. And when that's over, you're not going to want to take it back. So part of it is I can't tell you how to not 
have those feelings as you're transitioning because you will end up being in what I call the in-between. So like we have the old way defense mechanisms, the old way we were in the world, right? That's that's the, the old way. Then we have the new way of like how we want to be truthful, bound your boss, take care of ourselves, all that stuff. Well, in between there, it's called the in-between, which means that you know too much to do the old crap. You're like, well, that shit's unhealthy. I'm not doing that. You haven't yet mastered the new crap. So you're just like, mm, I'm just here and I don't even know what to do. That doesn't last forever. Stay present. Keep working. Keep understanding. Understand your boundary blueprint, right? If you guys want to get the book, go to boundarybossbook.com. And I have all of these um, bonuses that will help you with what it is about you, right? It, it's not that like, I'm nobody's guru, trust me, Maria, but I'm a damn good GPS to get people to their own information that they need to understand why they are the way they are, which makes it a million times easier to change. As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. So boundaries, why don't we have them? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, because nobody taught us, Maria, that's why. And because not only did nobody teach us, we actually, especially if you were raised as a woman, we actually learned the opposite, right? We learned that the more self-sacrificing you are, the better you are as a person, right? So most of us were raised and praised for being self-abandoning codependents. In life, be a good girl. Turn that frown around. People didn't care how you felt. <laughs> they were just like, hi, don't make me uncomfortable. So we learned that this was to be a good person, to be, it was all about being nice, at least the way that I was raised. That being nice was this like virtue above all other things. Not like being honest, being strong, being ambitious. Those things were not as valued as being nice. And to have someone perceive you as being not nice that was bad. Yeah. So that's like why. world ending. I have the chills all the way down my body. I don't think I've ever resonated with something so quickly and so intensely um, because that's how I was raised. I, I'd be curious with the Queens who are younger, 28 and 22. Hey. Uh, were you raised in that same way? Yeah, definitely. I think not necessarily intentionally, but a hundred thousand percent. Yes. Okay. Pooch. Like kind of my, I think, I don't know. Like I was definitely taught to stand up for myself and that wasn't a bad thing if I did. So it was maybe like a mix, but I mean, society in general, like, yeah, it's just like, a, it's just, I feel like ingrained in society. Like 
you know, that if you're not a good, good girl, good person, like you're like, you have to fix that. Like, you know, and mm-hmm. like taking care of you first isn't really okay if it's hurting someone else. Yeah. I think, you well, know, we're labeled so quickly. Right. It's like, oh, she's Divas, crazy. She's bitches. a bitch. She's a right. diva. Yeah. Like right. you're bossy. Like yes. you're like moody, like, mm. you know, selfish. Yeah. Yeah. I know my parents always said, you got to be a good girl. And you, you know, they would, yeah, there was, it's funny in therapy, I'm realizing like you're any anger or any feeling you have that is opposite is completely, um, not allowed. Mm. Right. That we call those forbidden emotions. So that here's the thing. Like, you don't have the power and I don't have the power to like forbid emotions, even though family systems do. So what happens is my in my family system, anger was a forbidden emotion. So I had to turn it into something else because your feelings don't just go away because they're inconvenient or because you don't like them or because someone else won't like them. So I turned that anger into like, I turned it in sadness, depression. It was okay if I cried, but I couldn't be mad. Uh, so so right? are, are our tears sometimes just hidden anger? I mean, yes. Yeah. How can they not be, unless you have a very healthy relationship to anger? I mean, mine now, a million years of therapy later is pretty damn good, but you know, it wasn't for so long because it was not allowed. So crying, I would be able to say I'm upset, but I could never back in the day while I was a boundary disaster, I could never say I'm pissed right Mm. now. I'm angry right now. Maybe I could say I was angry, but I could never just be in that moment of being like, I'm mad right now because it wasn't allowed. And I think a lot of people had forbidden emotions like that. I, I actually talk about that in the book as well. Yeah. Cause I remember a lot of times crying, you know, at work because I guess now that I look back, that's an acceptable emotion. Nobody wants to see you crying either. That's a whole no. other thing. Now you're just the crazy person or just somebody who can't handle their emotions, but it is more acceptable than sharing your anger. And so I can see that. Right. Now. But, but let's look at that for one second, Maria crying that is a self-abandonment thing because Mm -hmm. it isn't good for you, let's say in a professional situation, to be crying when how you really feel is you're angry, right? So again, we we abandon ourselves by by softening all unconsciously. This is the whole thing, what is so mind-blowing about boundaries is it isn't like any of us intend to have disordered boundaries. Most people in my therapy practice literally didn't even know what boundaries were until we started talking about it. And I certainly didn't in my 20s. I was like, why am I so miserable? Why am I so pissed all the time? Not saying it sarcastic, passive aggressive, like all these other ways of communicating that displeasure, because I didn't just know how to friggin say no. To things. So I overcommitted, mm-hmm. overfunctioned, mm-hmm. overgave, and then was like, Betty is so entitled, right? Like it was all about now them rather than my inability to set a limit mm-hmm. with someone and be truthful about that because it was such a fear of how I would be perceived as not nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or you didn't come through for somebody. And then, you know, I had a situation in recent times where. I was having a nervous breakdown. My mom was dying and this Mm -hmm. person knew that. 
I had to take a leave from my own show, happened to be on their episode, and I've not been forgiven since. I've had to write a letter. I've had to do all kinds of things. And and they made me feel so bad. And and that was it. It was like, thank you for the letter. And and just poof, gone. And uh, And it made me feel really, really bad because I was so ill and so in a bad place. And, and it was very easy to understand as, as this person who's also a healer (laughs) who should know this. Um, and, and it's, it makes me so hesitant in the future to choose myself. And cause I, I still will think, well, I should have just sucked it up somehow. I should have just been there because this person's been there for me. I should be there for them. Let's reframe though. Can we please? Yes, please. (laughs) So instead of focusing on what you did wrong, I want you to think about that exact scenario. But instead of it being you, Mm. it's your very best friend. It's your little brother. It's someone you adore. Would you be like, you know what? You really should have sucked it up more. I can't believe you disappointed that person. Or would you be like, what the hell is wrong with that narcissistic, egocentric person who has this much empathy for anyone else, you would never say to someone you loved. No. No, I would tell Kelsey, that person's an asshole. Exactly. And yes, they did a lot for you, but you did a lot for them too. And 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 one incident like that, one moment like that should have some grace that comes with it especially under the circumstances. Right. But Maria, you decide that, Mm. right? Here's the thing. You, you are the only bouncer, right? Each one of us for the VIP section of your life. Oh, right. You make the guest list, you put up the velvet rope or you don't. And that person does not belong. They need to be like in the nosebleed seats somewhere, or they need to be maybe mezzanine, but they certainly, after that incident, they got to get out of the VMP section. But here's my question, Terry. So, and this, I'm saying this and using this as an example, because I know examples is how everyone can help apply to their own life. Sure. When you start to analyze things like I would, and I know I got a comment once about somebody thinking I overanalyze. Sorry, I do. Um, I wonder, um, and I'm not saying that in a negative way because they didn't say it in a negative way, but it is mm-hmm. true. Um, I wonder when I look at the at that person, I'm like, this is a really nice person. So I must be wrong. It must be me. Right. But a nice person can do a um, cold thing. Yeah. A nice person can can make a wrong move. But instead of doing the dance, the codependent dance with them that you did being like, I'm so sorry. Well, yeah. let me write you an apology email in saying, I appreciate your understanding because I'm literally on my knees. So, I mean, not begging them, but like on your knees, like there's no more, there's no more bandwidth for you to do that thing. You couldn't have done that thing on that day. Have an expectation. Yeah. Instead of expecting someone to be mad when you have a human moment, maybe we can expect the people in our life to really show up for us. And even if that, listen, that doesn't mean the person is a terrible person, right? But it's also okay for you to be like, hey, I was in so much pain 
And your response to that one show being canceled actually really was so upsetting. And I was already like in the gutter, basically. I had no bandwidth. And I just wanted to let you know that. And it really impacted me. And it really bummed me out. I was so mad, speaking about mad, mm-hmm. that this took bandwidth away from my dying mother. How Hi. friggin' dare you is what I kept thinking. But I couldn't let it go because, you know, you, you have, like for me, I always try to examine myself to see where did I go wrong because I want to take ownership over it, <laughs> you know? Right. But can I say something? You're so like me and all the people in my crew, which is that, we're always the ones who are like wringing our hands, like, okay, so I'm, I want to take responsibility for my part. Here's the thing. So much of the time, what we're really doing is we are feeling overly responsible for all of it. Mm. We feel responsible for the feeling states of other people. We feel responsible for the choices, the decisions, the circumstances. I mean, think about codependency, the actual definition of codependency, according to me, is it's being overly invested in the feeling states, the decisions, the outcomes of the people in your life to the detriment of your own internal peace or your financial, physical, spiritual well-being. So that's not to say, listen, you're a lover, you're Greek. I mean, forget it. Like you, you, <laughs> this is your personality. Me too, right? I'm not Greek, but I'm a lover, right? I, I, we want to help people, mm-hmm. caring. So I'm not saying we shouldn't be invested at all in the people we care about. Of course we should. But the description is specific to say that it is to the detriment, meaning when your best friend calls you and is like, oh my God, I'm in a crisis. Does their crisis become your problem in your mind? Are you immediately on Google being like, oh my God, I'm going to find a specialist? 100%, that's me. Right. (laughs) Instantly, I'm already coming up with the solutions and I, yeah. Right. Here's, you are what I, I I created a new term because my clients, my crew, the people who follow my work didn't feel identified with the word codependent. I don't, I can never even remember what it means. I have such a weird connection to that word. I don't know what it is. I feel like I have to ask what it means. I know that sounds probably, I'm, you know, I sound stupid, but I can never remember what that word means or exactly how it applies. It's just the hardest one for me in the world. Maybe because I'm so it. (laughs) You got it. You spot it. You spot it. You got it. No, I think that you're super not alone though, because part of it is that it is, it's confusing because most of us, when we hear codependent, we think Melody Beatty, codependent, no more. I'm an enabler. Got to be involved with an addict. Like, it is transformed so much, but because my clients were like you, couldn't remember what it really? was. Really? Oh yeah. Oh no, you are so not. I can't tell you how many interviews I've done, and the person has said the same exact thing. And like you, have had tons of exposure to wellness folks yes. interviewing them, doing the thing just like you, and are like, I don't even know what the hell it is. So you are not stupid or alone in that process. Wow. So. I, because my, I would say to a client like, Hey, what you're describing is codependent behavior. And they'd be like, no, 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 lady, you misunderstand. I'm not dependent on crap. Every I'm making all the dough. I'm doing all the things. Everyone's dependent on me. I was like, right. Clearly you don't know what codependency is because 
that is codependency. So I said, I have to change this. And here's the thing. It was my own form of codependency as well. So I made up a new name called high functioning codependency Hmm. because the people and you who fall into this category are super duper capable incredibly hard workers we make it look easy so easy oh my god where's my husband right now to hear this he goes maria we make it look so easy oh my god sorry god but it's not easy though we know this what is it diligence, hard work, a willingness to like be knocked down 4,000 times and get up 4,001. I mean, come on, we know what it takes. But what happens is people perceive us as like, oh, you're the one with all the answers. Oh, I'm going to come to you when I have problems or, oh, I need money or, oh, whatever. And we want to avoid conflict, rejection, an uncomfortable conversation, all the things that is all codependency where we are overfunctioning, overgiving, but it's to the detriment of ourselves. And when you think about it, let's really boil down what is codependency. It is a covert or overt bid for control over other people's outcomes. We don't want our best friend marrying that jerk. We don't want our partner changing careers, even though they really want to, because we're worried they're not going to make it or they're, they're giving up this big pension, whatever, whatever our thing is. We want things to be manageable. We want things to be neat in like a nice, put it in this box, please. If you're doing something risky now, I'm uncomfortable. Cause I'm going to have to I, deal with it. Well, because you're so friggin' codependent, you're going to deal with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> When you're less codependent, when we really start recovering from this, the liberation, I'll I'll tell you a quick story about this just personally. This was the last concept in my personal life that I was able to get because it was such, I thought it was such a core part of my identity. I was like, you know me, I'm just like Mother Teresa like that. I just, I don't know, I'm just a giver. That was what I thought Uh was happening. Uh So I I have three older sisters and one of them, has had lots of problems in her life, always in abusive relationships and bad things. Anyway, I was saying to my therapist, oh my God, what am I going to do about my sister? She's living with this friggin' crack addict in the woods with no running water. Who's He's abusive, like literally, that's no exaggeration. And I was like, what am I going to do? Right. She was like, um, hello, what, what do you mean? I was like, I mean, I have to do something, right? Like I have to do something. I've been throwing money at it. It doesn't help. I've been, you know, whatever. And then she was like, Terry, let me ask you something. What makes you think that you know what lessons your sister needs to learn in this life? Oh, my God. I was like, oh, my God, exactly. And what makes you think that you know what's right for them? Exactly. But we always think we do. We know better. Right, but here's the thing. From that moment in my late 20s, that she said that to me, I was like, wait, I think we can agree, Bev, that she doesn't need to learn this lesson by living with a crack addict in the woods without running water. No. And she was like, I can definitely not agree because I'm not God and I have no idea what your sister needs to learn. I was like, well, what do I do? And she was like, step back. 
you can tell the truth. You can have a conversation that says, I love you, but I can't listen to you talk about this abusive relationship. If you ever want to get out for real, I'm still your person. And I stopped really talking to her so frequently. And what happened is nine months later, she was like, hi, I'm ready. I was like, great. I'm in my car. Got her. She got sober. Never was in a bad relationship like that again. Went back to school. Not because I centered myself in her as her solution, but because I stepped back and realized her life is her responsibility Mm -hmm. and I can love her and not think it's so condescending when you really get it. Like that whole mother Teresa thing. I was like, Oh my God, I'm so not mother Teresa. My therapist said, do you know why you're doing it though? And I was like, obviously not. So help. And she said, you've worked really hard to create internal peace. Stop drinking all decades ago, all the things your sister's dumpster fire of a life is really messing with that piece. Mm-hmm. So you really want her crap to end. So your pain can end because you're such a friggin' codependent. And I was like, who knew? Now I understand what codependency is. And that shifted where the, the relief that I experienced though, and I think lots of my clients feel this way too, is I really said to my therapist, like, but am I being a bad sister by not saving her from herself? And she was like, hi, you can't. That isn't even possible what you're saying, but you are twisting yourself up in a pretzel and you're not doing her any favors at all because you literally have no idea what's right for her. Only she knows that. And the liberation to be like, wow, it's not my responsibility really changed my life. Wow. We had a moment just the other day where I was like, you're like, yeah, it's because I'm nice. I'm like, is it? I think it's because we we don't want, I can't remember what it was. It was that you were telling me, I didn't want to say something to someone. And I was like, oh, I could like, I can feel their pain. And Maria's like, or you just don't want conflict. And I was like, good point. <laughs> <laughs> well, because sometimes you can't see it in yourself, but like when I'm giving you advice, I'm, I'm thinking of myself and I'm like, oh shit, that's why I do it. <laughs> yep. So it's easier. And I caught it so fast in that moment. Um, Wow. I mean, even just your example with your sister, you know, so many of us have to deal with the unpeaceful sibling. I understand that want for peace because life would be so much better if, you know, if he wasn't so disruptive and so challenging, those are very kind words I'm using. Oh, I, 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 I see the subjects, <laughs> um, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. And I know that so many people suffer from that. So it's a great example for people to realize, like you can offer your support and let them come to you. And then in the meantime, you got to just kind of remove yourself. But even then, listen, there's somewhere in between. And what I wanted to say about the codependency, the high functioning codependency, regular ass codependency, whichever, is that it is disordered boundaries. I mean, in the description of what codependency is, we're overstepping emotional boundaries and all the other boundaries. So know that. And I think that it's important that we just make a quick, let's establish what boundaries are, because I honestly, Maria, I really feel like people have no idea. They're oh, like, yes. I have to say no. It's about being mean. I have to be bitchy. It's about being a drama queen. It's a, 
all yeah. the things. There's so much negative associated that we don't realize it's not that at all. But how do we, this is the other thing, and I want to get into this too, is how do you change society? Because society is still going to look at us like that. Whether we like it or not, the woman who is assertive in the workplace has to be removed. She's too much trouble. Or the woman who in, you know, wherever is at a store is assertive about what she wants and how she she's the psycho. There's just, it's so hard. Here's the thing. First of all, I do not subscribe to that notion at all. I don't. And, and if someone thinks I'm a psycho, honestly, I don't give a shit. That's just me. I really don't. Because <laughs> Can you I'm bottle not. that up and sell it to the rest of us? <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. Think about it this way. With, with boundaries themselves, it really is as simple as you knowing your preferences, your limits, and your deal breakers, your non-negotiables in your relationships and in life. That's it. Preferences, sometimes I say preferences, desires, limits, and deal breakers. And those are the things that we communicate. And that's what boundaries are, right? We make a boundary request. I mean, it's not all about my way or the highway because that's a disordered boundary as well. I have a free uh, boundary quiz. Just go to boundaryquiz.com and you could see your archetype. And I already know yours, but you, I want you to take it anyway. It's 13 questions. Okay. Super simple, but there's no way not to. When you come out, you're like, oh my God, yes, that is me. Because there's different ones like a chameleon, a peacekeeper, an ice queen. Because people think that if you have really hard boundaries, mm -hmm. you're a boundary boss. Not true. That is not true. That is having rigid boundaries, not healthy boundaries, because there's a certain amount of flexibility. When we have healthy boundaries, we're not so like, ah, my way or the highway. So. I think that's another myth where we see the women in particular who have boundaries that are too porous, we call it, which is like too malleable, right? The peacekeeper, the pushover, the, um, the chameleon. But the, on the other side, being, you know, protecting yourself with like a huge wall and a moat, that is also having disordered boundaries. It's just the other end of the spectrum. So we need to be able to ask for what we want, share our preferences with people, and to get really dialed in to how much of the time what we want is to have no conflict. Above all other things, we want to avoid conflict. And when we are so conflict avoidant, it's impossible to like really be authentically fully yourself. Because think about it. If we say yes, when we want to say no, because we want to be nice, because we want that person who is mad that we were not going to interview that. I just, oh, I just want to punch that person in the face. But let's <laughs> just say, if you did that, right? What is happening is when we say yes, when we want to say no, is that we are giving corrupted data about who we are to the people in our lives. And I've had women come into my therapy practice in their sixth, seventh decade of life. And they're like, hey, everything's on track. Kids are going to Ivy League schools. Money's in the bank. I kind of still like my spouse. I work out three times a week. Why do I feel so empty? I'm like, because you built a life on checking boxes and nobody friggin' knows you. <gasps> oh, my God. I want to cry. That's unbelievable. Oh, my God. Nobody knows you. 
So painful. Because how can anyone authentically love you, right? Yeah, go deeper into that. Sure. If we don't talk about what's real for us, right? If our outside behavior is way different than our internal experience or narrative, we are having a relationship with people with like the false self that we erect to be successful in life, to not get disapproval, to not be rejected, all of those things. So part of it is why I walk you through it in the book and the way I teach it in my courses is that we must start with a deep dive into ourselves. I mean, the first exercise in the book is doing this massive list. It's called the okay and not okay list, where we go through every area of your life and we're like, what is okay in this area? Most, mostly it's really easy to start with figuring out all the crap that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Where we're like, I don't like the way that person communicates with me. They always call me. I'd rather they text me. Obviously, I've never told them that, but they're annoying. Uh, moving on to your relationship. How are you managing money with your spouse? What is your office? The lights in your office like? Do they work for you? Oh, no, you hate them? Change them. These are the things that we have to start there because so much of the time, my therapy clients, I would be like, okay, so what brings you joy? They're like, I have no idea. (laughs) I never thought about it. Like knowing ourselves when we have been so, most of us, many of us have been externally focused for so long. I, myself, I identify as an empath, as a highly sensitive person. Now that means when you are that, you are so dialed into the feeling states of like every person in the room, Mm -hmm. even now. But because I know it, it has become my special skill because I know how to protect my energy because I have healthy boundaries and I don't overgive or overfunction. So I'm not resentful. But if you don't know how to protect your energy and if you don't even realize what you're doing, It is so exhausting. There's so much bandwidth that we're just leaking. And we don't even know that we're doing it. But we're like, why the hell am I so tired? Well, that could be why. Yeah, I think that resentment is so real because um, I feel like I've gotten really good at saying no, but then a few things will slip by. And when they slip by, Mm -hmm. it's... It's so loud and it hurts so much. Um, And, but there are times where I feel like, you know, if you're in so deep, like if you've committed to something and now you're just frigging miserable and you don't want to do it. That happened Mm -hmm. to me recently. My husband just kind of screwed my head on straight. He's like, listen, he's like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be in and out. And then after that, you can be really judicious and ask more questions. How much time is this really going to take? What are the real requirements of me? Like, you know, I'm such a jump. Yes, I'll be there for you. I'm good at now picking just to do it for a select few. But even sometimes you get taken advantage of with the select few. Right. But here's the question, because you are absolutely talking about boundaries, having clear concise agreements, which means those agreements, any agreements you have in your life, they must be spoken, written down, 
because this is how you protect your relationships. So anyone that I work with, every person who works for me, they're all super clear. This is what my expectation is. We're all gonna, we're all gonna communicate on voice notes or whatever it is that I want. If you work for me, you work on East Coast time. I don't give a crap where you live. If that doesn't work, don't work for me. That's okay. But that's my expectation. I'm not worried what time it is in London, right? Because I can't. It's my company. You need to worry about what time it is in New York because that's where I am. Those are clear agreements. If someone's like, no, I don't want that. I want to be on, on London time. Well, great. Then work somewhere else. That's cool. So you can avoid so much conflict and resentment by really managing expectations with, I call it clean agreements, instead of implied or silent agreements, because we always make the mistake, at least I have many times in my life, is we, it's called like positive projection, where we think other people are like us. Yes. But they're not. And they should, it doesn't make them right or wrong, but it's an assumption. Mm-hmm. Well, like, yeah, and we also that? we also think that people should know. Like, how do you not know, right? Read the room. How do you not see that I'm angry that you just barged into my dressing room without knocking and I could have yep. been naked? How is that not even something that would pop in your brain? But it's not. It's not. And here's the thing. Worrying about the why, even asking the why for something like that is completely pointless. The only thing that's effective is having a note on your door that says, hey, definitely knock. That's yeah. it. Just definitely knock before coming in. Or when that person did it, be like, hey, man, what if I were nude? You could be funny, tongue in cheek. There's so many ways to do it. But not doing it means we then ruminate about it. Yeah. It'll just come <laughs> up at the weirdest times. I can't sleep. And I'm like, I can't believe friggin' Betty. Like, Betty, who the hell is she? Like, Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, my mind just got co-opted for 45 minutes thinking about something that happened a year ago, two months ago, a week ago. So it's never too late. Even with that person who barged in, I'm just going to say it. It's never too late to go back and say, oh, hey, I was thinking about Wednesday when you came into my um, dressing room. And I just want to be clear, please knock beforehand. I was thinking about how embarrassed we both would have been had I been changing, you know? Mm-hmm. I'd like to make a simple request. Friggin' knock, right? That that's my all right. Maybe lose the friggin', but <laughs> <laughs> and and you can go back to that no problem. I mean, I could yeah. you could go back to the summer of seventy eight if you wanted to, but my feeling is there's no um, statute of limitations. And when you first are learning the language of boundaries, it is so much easier to go back than it is to do it in the moment. Because a lot of times we freeze in the moment. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're not trained. It's a new muscle. Yep. And so I'm meditating every day. And as I meditate and think about my new self, I think about somebody who can set and protect their boundaries. So now I'm putting it in my brain every single day. And I feel like that will make me more aware when boundaries are being breached to be able to say something in the moment a lot easier. Yeah. And I think I might've had a moment recently where I did do that. Oh no, I did. I stood up for myself on that call where I was like, um, so, um, transparency is very important for me. So, uh, in the future, when you're communicating with me, if you could actually tell me what you really need rather than changing it a couple texts later after I've agreed to something. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yay, one for the win or 
you know, there was a guy on a plane recently hovering over me. There was no one, you know, I had waited to get my overhead stuff till there was nobody, you know, boarding. And then I started getting my stuff and this guy jumped, you know, came in from behind and was kind of hovering over me. I said, oh, you can go. And he said, no, I'm good. I said, no, 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 you can go. Cause I was going to take a minute and I didn't want to have mm-hmm. to have him standing over me watching me. And he said, why do you have a lemon in your bag? And it was my first time ever, Terry. I go, it's actually none of your business. (laughs) I thought I won a million dollars. I won the lottery. He was like, you're right, actually. And he walked away. Amazing. And it was my first time doing it. So it's like one of the questions I wanted to ask is when you're newly approaching these boundaries. Mm-hmm. I can I can see where it's so uncomfortable and you, you might like I I really want to be so good at it where it's like calm and kind and mm-hmm. that. So I I meditate on calm and kind boundaries because after he left I was like yeah, get the fuck out of here, buddy. And like I was like I was so proud of myself but then like so there were so many emotions that were coming out. I'm like I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I I did. Right, because it just came out. And here's the thing, your desire to be more transparent about your boundaries is what is fueling that moment. But I want you to look at it like this. Boundaries are a language. So you could be like, I want to be fluent in French. And I'm just going to pray that I am. Eventually, I'm going to wake up tomorrow fluent. And when you don't, you're like, I can't believe I'm not fluent. You know what? You got to learn how to be fluent. Practice. And put in the time and understand why it's so hard. All of those things will um, aid in your fluency. And in the beginning, especially if we were kind of boundary disasters, like we're both saying we were, it's like the pendulum swings all the way over Mm -hmm. because you're finally like, hi, this is like 30 years of shit coming out right now. Like I'm so, I just have to say it. Or you can't stop yourself. It's like we hit a tipping point. Like you said, that wouldn't have been your perfect choice of words if there is such a thing. But the reality is it's definitely better than Mm self-abandoning. It's definitely better because we have to stop putting up with shit that's unacceptable. We have to stop doing crap we really don't want to do. Stop. Stop letting that friend who only calls you to complain about their toxic relationship, doesn't really care about what's happening with you, is always in drama. You know, you know, we all have them. Stop that person and being like, hey, we've talked about this a lot. And my feeling is when you are ready to make the changes. I have no doubt you will. I don't know what you should do, but I have faith that you're going to figure it out. Be done with that conversation because that person, unless you step back, like I did with my sister, you don't have to step back that far, but you don't have to be a repository for toxic stuff Mm -hmm. because people are unhealthy. (laughs) You can be honest and be like, Hey, this is my experience. Or We've talked about this a lot and I love you and I have no doubt you're going to figure it out, but it doesn't seem like us talking about it is helping you figure it out and leave it there. When they start talking about it, you can be like, I got to go. That doesn't make you a bad friend. That makes you not collude with the lowest part of that person. Mm. 
Yeah. Right. Same thing. When when we're when we're not a boundary disaster, when we stand up, when we tell the truth, we are. It's standing up for the relationship, not just standing up for ourselves. Oh my. This is so living up to everything that I, <laughs> I know. had hoped and wanted for with the boundaries conversation. But guys, we're going to break it up and we are going to have part two run tomorrow because we couldn't let Terry leave. Kelsey negotiated real hard to get extra time I from did. her I because really did. we know how much we need this. And Queen, I'm very proud of you. Oh, thanks. Really proud of your new boundaries. Thanks. I think that's so amazing. That's like such... So quick to be able to apply it. I know. This is why I said you guys are light years ahead. It's, it's kind of so crazy. Cool. It's really cool. Um, I just channel Pooja now every day because Pooja <laughs> knows how to do it. I know Pooja's so good. <laughs> no, I this helped me a lot. Like, yeah, there's yeah. Good. I needed this like two days ago, but I'm glad I got it now. And now she I can did. implement it this week. <laughs> I'm I, kept, very excited. I kept smacking her. I'm like, are you listening? I are know. Listening? Kelsey, <laughs> she's like, you got to do this today. Do this today. Do whatever you're dealing with. Um, oh, that's so, so funny. This is really helpful. I mean, we all have problems with boundaries. I, I just in different ways. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's not in the same way. Maybe you guys have, you know, issues. Yeah. But we all. Yeah. Got, and yeah. also just the whole definition of codependency. I was like. Oh shit! I'm codependent. I just didn't know that that's what that meant. You know? See? Yeah. I don't know why it's it's. There's just something with that word. I can't get it. Yeah. I can't get it. And I'm a bright human. Yeah. And I don't think I could probably ni- be 99 and still asking what it means. <laughs> and I, I just don't understand why it won't suck into my brain. But I think she she made it make sense for me because. I'm a little bit the same way too, Maria, until Dr. Laura, her heel event really switched my mind around. That was amazing, actually. If you are not a Patreon member, please, please give yourself the gift of becoming a Patreon member. $10 a month. You get ad-free shows every day and you get access to the heel events. In fact, we should probably do a heel event with Terry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. She's amazing. But yeah, she she helped me a lot on the definition because I think that like you and I probably think it's like we're not codependent. We don't need someone. Yeah. That's what we think it means. You know, but her new little coined definition that she had, I was like, oh. Yeah. So good. All right, everybody. Be nice people. Make good choices and be present. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or MariaMenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show 
or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heel Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heel events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heel Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.